Welcome to None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here with the main man, Alex Spinks. Spinks. I'm still the main man. You I'm loving are, this. my friend. Well, I introduced you as that last episode and I've got to keep you going as this episode. I don't know where Chris Barty is. He's gone totally MIA, um, but I'm assuming he will appear at some point um, like a phoenix from the ashes. He will rise uh, into, into our lives somewhere. But mate, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. I really enjoyed recording our last episode and um, it was a hell of a freaking test match that we finished watching this morning. <laughs> it's definitely been a week. It's been a week. It's been a week. It's- We've recorded the last podcast on the morning or the evening of the women's ashes test mm. we've since had that test the women's t20 and this humdinger of a game <laughs> a real humdinger this one spinksy there was Far a out. there was a few things happening in this one. Oh man look top line news let's just give the headline headline news is australia's 2-0 up in the series which yeah. We are. I, I was um, hoping I couldn't find the soundbite for myself earlier today. So if we go back to Hawkey's prediction of a 3-1 series win to England, and he's already wrong. <laughs> I wonder if you'll mention that today. I doubt it. I think he might have a few other things on his mind. Yeah, I've got um, a couple of things on his mind. But, mate, I, we'll get to it in detail. We're going to talk about the women's test first. But as a headline news, I think we should say that... If you had told me at the start of the series, like three weeks ago, if you'd said to me, hey, Paddy, you're going to be 2 nil up after the first two games, I would have bitten your hand off to take that deal, Spinks. I would, have, I, would have been, I would have been right up to your shoulder joint before you could have said, hey, that's my arm. Um, that would have been a deal I would have taken very, very quickly. So I think we've got to be, like, top line, thrilled. Um, body text, whoo, doggy. <laughs> Yeah, the footnotes on this one are pretty long. <laughs> pretty, pretty long. Pretty um, long. But before we get to it, Sphinx, I, and look, we'll be hearing from Tom K. Hawkey later in the show as well. We can't go on an Ashes episode and not hear from Tom. Um, but before we do all that, we should also talk about the women's Ashes, which started in earnest this week with an, an, an incredible test match, Sphinx. Um, a, an absolute mind blower. Uh, what, what, did you, what did you make of it? I was first off gutted that Elise Perry, who has been the best test batsman for women's cricket for forever, got out on 99. I was absolutely gutted for her. I think her average is like 75. So she still hasn't taken it down a notch. Yeah, but it would have just... I mean, it's that one run makes such a colossal difference, you know? Like, Mm. she really does. I mean... Elise Perry deserves every single piece of success that comes her way. Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a absolute legend of the game that we get to watch in action. Um, 99, still, you know, killing out there, killing it. And, and mate, Annabelle Sutherland, 137 not, <laughs> just cheekily from number eight. Just like, striking what? at 75 from number eight to get a, what, 180-odd ball, 137. It was brilliant. Um, what did you make of the English bowling in that in that first dig, Zespinksy? Well, Eccleston's always the pick of the bunch. Mm. Like, every single test match. I think her economy was about 2.7, 2.8. Well, everyone else is going for 4 or 5 uh, and over. She's just, you know, slow left-arm orthodox bowlers. We're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bevan, Alexander Spinks, Sophie Eccleston, champions yeah. of the game. Hey, look, there was one of those names that wasn't quite like the others, but I can't quite pick it out. Um in the second dig, and this is what everyone's been kind of talking about, Tanny Beaumont opening the batting made two hundred and eight in a losing in a losing side speaks. Yes. And you gotta feel for her there. That is a rough freaking trot. Yeah, she, again, she's striking at about sixty, seventy or she almost carried the bat through the whole innings. Double ton in the first five-day Ashes test that the women have played because they've all been four up until now. Mm. And normally that would be good for a draw because I think it's been a draw for the last four years, five yeah. years or worth of series. And so we add the extra day and your double ton doesn't mean anything in the end. <laughs> which I mean, is they were brutal. chasing 473 
and and you know you get they got within ten runs of it. Like no, Tammy Beaumont got within ten runs. <laughs> Tammy Beaumont nearly single handedly carrying that side. Um, Nat and, and Heather Knight there are also getting some runs, but far out, mate. Like you've really got a feel for her. Um, it, you know, the Aussies came out in the second dig and put on 257, eight, 85 to Beth Mooney, uh, 46 to Our Terminator. The Terminator, it. Alyssa Healy, you know, getting in 50 as well. Um, but the English just fell apart in the final innings, largely thanks to Ash Gardner, who took eight for 66. Yeah, Spence 12 was... for the match, which is <laughs> unreal. <laughs> yeah, not bad, right? I think you'd take that. A healthy return, I think you'd call it. Yeah, and went the full five days. It also really does beg the question, you know, why aren't we seeing more women's test cricket? And why oh. isn't more women's test cricket five days? Like, well, why, it, why? In this spot with just women's sport in general, because we've got the State of Origin Rugby League series in Australia, which is Queensland mm. versus New South Wales. The women have their version. And every year they've played one game. And it's a cracker of a game. Every year they play one game instead of the best of three series which mm. the men play. This year, they played two games. So it's whoever kind of just scored the most points over two games rather than win two, lose one. And everyone, even the partial watcher, is saying, that should be a three-game series. It's a hell of a series. We should watch more of this. Yeah. The women's test matches, they've all been four-day first-class equivalents, and they've all been draws. It's a one-test Ashes series for the women. Three ODIs, three T20s, one test. What's wrong with five test matches? Yeah, or at least three. They're like, really good. They're really good. I enjoy like, watching them. Yeah, and, and also too, mate, audiences, like crowds at the game, were sizable, right, across mm. the five days. And very so, well behaved. And very well behaved. Much better behaved than the men's crowds, can we say. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a thing too. Like, we're seeing... Women's sport has been really in change in the last couple of years, right? Like the the Women's World Soccer World Cup is here at the moment in Australia. It's just about to kick off. Mm-hmm. And it's I've been selling out. many like games. Wildfire, Spinks. Wildfire selling out. So I think they could do... I think the, the game, the Ashes being one part of that, could really do with a bit more support, frankly. Mm. Um, and a bit more trust in the fact that the average consumer, like you and me, and the cricket-watching public, is is interested in this, that there's market for it, there's demand for it, and the players are far above and beyond, you know, being up for it. Like, they're, they're ready to go. Everyone's ready to watch it. We just need the administrators to get on board and body schedule it. Yeah, just need some support behind it financially and time-wise. Like, it doesn't cost them money to put on a test match because they make money. Surely they'd make money. Surely everybody makes money. money. Yeah, so it's not hard to schedule a few more in. No, get a few more in, folks. Get a few more in. And Ash Gardner, you just keep doing you, bud. You just keep doing you. Some great stumpings there from Healy, some great catches, um, and overall an incredible bowling effort. Anytime you see a bowler take eight for in a game, you know. Yeah, she's no left-arm orthodox, but she's pretty good. She's pretty close. We'll take it. Mm. Um, Spinks, all of that being said, in the points table... We are six to zip in the women's ashes as we speak. So we mm-hmm. will take that any day of the week. Just run a the first T20 as well. So we'd love to see that. Of course, we won the first T20, but, you know, it's good yeah, to see. Yeah, that's just what we do. It's just what Beth Mooney does. It's just what Beth Mooney does. <laughs> she's here to uh, chew bubblegum and uh, win games, and uh, she's fresh out of bubblegum. Spinks, with all of that, let's go back to the men's game. Um, and get into a truly hogwild test. And I know you and I have a lot to say about this. Um, so what I'd like to try and do here, mate, if we can, is is stay pretty sequential. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we need to go back and put day five in the four days context previously. Yes. Um, because when you think about it in context, it, it changes it. Like the top line news, Australia won by 43 runs at Lords in the second test. Um, we were sent in. Uh, ben Stokes won the toss and elected to bowl. And it was cloudy, Spinks. It was cloudy. It was overcast. It looked like great bowling conditions. And and we put on 416. Like, what did you make of that first innings? 
Well, it's kind of been the theme of the last two test matches, is it? Except for that kind of 10-over period between a rain break on day three in the first test, England have had the best of the bowling conditions the entire way. Their pitches haven't lived up to any traditional expectations of what they'll offer, so all movement from the ball is coming from the climate and the weather and the overcast conditions is the pitch isn't seeming but we can get some swing through the air so every time we're getting sent in like we would have done to them if we won the toss in the best bowling conditions but we have been scoring runs (laughs) and look warner opened the batting and looked great he made 66 the best Um, he's looked for ever in england ever he was advancing down the track. He was dealing with Stuart Broad. He was playing really nicely. Josh Tung came in for this game um, and and looked great. It was the pick of the English bowlers in the first dig. Got two to jag back significantly to take out Kawaja and Warner. Um, oh, Warner's one was a peach of a ball, was wasn't it? Absolute corker. See, thinking about it now, that feels like a year ago when that happened. Mm. That feels like a lifetime a ago. A bit's happened in between. But I was pitching on fourth or fifth stump, right arm, around the wicket to the left-hander, seams back in and takes leg. Yeah. Psycho. Broke the top of leg stump. That was a good ball. And it was like... And Steve Smith made 110 in was in what was the hardest conditions of the game mm. by a pretty significant margin, right? Like... It was seeming, it was swinging. Uh, Jimmy Anderson was looking sensational. Um, it was it was really how you're going. Uh, 77 to head, um, as we said, 66. In a session. In a, <laughs> in a session. Yeah, so the sun comes out and all of a sudden it's a road. It's a mm. flat, flat, easy road, no problems. Like if the sun's here, what are you going to do? You know, at this stage it was, it was totally fine. Um, and, you know. Yeah, and Nathan Liner was able to bat in that as before he injured himself. We put on 4.16, and after that first innings, I was feeling stoked about that. Spinks, I was on group chats letting the Poms know that they'd beefed it. Um, in those Hard. conditions, 416 being sent in, you've got to be freaking thrilled with that. Um, get it, you know? Everyone has kind of played the way that they played. Uzi didn't score much, but he batted out 70 deliveries, so he did the traditional opener's role, is mm. get the shine off a new ball for next guy in. Manus still looks a bit out of touch. Even though he scored 47 first mm. up, he doesn't look like he knows where his off stump is, where his feet are landing, which way he wants to angle the bat to a delivery. It's And he still scored 47, but that's was kind of the best he's looked for a while and he doesn't he doesn't look all all together yeah he hasn't looked at that same level of confidence that he had in 2019 for sure um particularly against the short stuff mm. or I, just Stuart Broad with his two out swingers a day oh Stuart Broad I mean yeah Broad bowled really well in that first dig I thought um uh, Ollie Robinson got three Josh Tung got three Josh Tung looked great I thought, yeah, he was he was solid. Broad only got one for ninety nine. He was going four point three, but he's just yeah, he's just freaking dangerous as hell. And then the English, right? First dig, they're all out for three two five. Ben Duckett gets a ninety eight, and uh, Harry Brook gets a fifty. But predominantly, like you know, out that opening partnership, and when we broke that, we kind of just rock and rolled through them a bit. Spinksy, what did what did you think of that first innings from the Poms? Yeah, oh, I'm surprised Ben Duckett is going this good because he doesn't leave a single ball. And he says he doesn't leave a single ball. I think the only ball he left was one that Mitchell Stark bowled in, which was about five metres wide of the off stump. <laughs> and he just couldn't reach it. Like, this guy attacks everything. Yeah. Yet he's got 98 in his first innings and 80 odd in his second. Why is Ben Duckett this good? <laughs> He shouldn't be. And he It like, makes no sense. sense. Yeah. And he's so little. He's such he's a little He's tiny guy. and he just flaps out the front at everything. And yeah. Maybe similar to Travis Head. Maybe that's how the Poms feel about Travis. Maybe. It's just infuriating that a guy that plays at everything that comes his way can get a century, a good half century so consistently. Yeah, it's a real pain in the ass, frankly Spinks. Um, you know who didn't score runs this test? Joe Root. Yeah, that was good. That is good, right? And and mate, I got to tell you, after the first English innings, I was I was up. 
Like, they they completely fell away at the end there. Um, they, what was that, full of wicket? They went from being like, oh, they just cracked 300. So, you know, they were four for 222, and they're out for 325. So they put on 100 runs for those last sort of six wickets. Yeah, um, and, one, and half of that was Harry Brook. Yeah. Like their other batsmen, Ben Stokes. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about him later. Stokes and Bairstow only contributed 33 between them. And then, yeah, Broad, Robinson, Tung, Anderson, d- diminishing returns as you go down with 12, 9, 1, and 0. And Travis Head got two wickets there with the straightest, slowest off-breaks you've ever seen. Can you call them off-breaks? It looked like watching a right-armed Jack Leach. Like, that ball to Robinson was never turning. It was didn't drift, <laughs> didn't spin, didn't dip, didn't deviate it just went past his outside edge and he managed to basically be dismissed twice where he got a nick and he would have been stumped as well i mean if he managed to get his pads in the way of it he could have got three from three. Oh, um, easily easily you know it would have been would have been very close to that it's also worth mentioning that at the back end of this innings right we they go overnight i think it's the start of day four that they come out and they're batting start of day three maybe yeah must have been and um, and we just started going short at him. Yeah, we did. We and we did some short pitch bowling, and then the rest of the game became <laughs> short pitch bowling, the marathon. Mm, it it was wild, Spinks. I've never seen that before in my life. That once everyone realised that actually bowling cross seam short balls, the ribs and the face was very difficult. That is all anybody bowled. Like eight bowlers. For three days. Three days. And some of it was the most boring cricket I've ever watched in my life. Day four was incredibly dull. Fuck, it was because dull. Because for us, it was really good. For us, it was really good because we got a lot of wickets very quickly with the short stuff on day three. They mm. fell apart. Then our innings, our second innings, the third innings of the match, was just... I'm surprised Broad is still standing. The amount Same. of short balls that he bowled and the length of the spells that he bowled. Just constant short stuff. And Robinson too. Like Robinson's not the fittest bloke. I hate to call him out like this. Um, although he does suck. You know he takes good <laughs> wickets. Um <laughs> But I can't believe they've picked the exact same team to play in the next game. I can't believe they're not going to rotate their squad. Like, how can their bowlers bowl that many short balls for that long and not be absolutely cooked? Especially Broaden, Robinson. Tongue or Tong or however you pronounce it is a bit younger, a bit faster, a bit fitter. Anderson, he wasn't bowling much of the short pitch stuff, but I think... It was a stat that Ricky Ponning came out with, that there was two and a half hours on day four with not a single, maybe one errant ball pitched in the front half, of the, the forward half of the pitch. These balls weren't even back of a length. They were dug in short every single time. Oh, it was annoying to watch. It was so... It was so annoying and so weird, right? Like, And, and it's one of those things where... Like, I'm very conscious, mate, that you and I are obviously very one-eyed Aussie supporters, so we enjoy bouncing the poms when we're doing the bouncing, but we don't like being the ones being bounced for three hours on end. I like bouncing on a bouncy pitch. That's the, that's the problem, because the short pitch bowling in Australia is back of a length pitched bowling because mm. the ball bounces. So it's... You take the two-paced nature of the pitch, or the kind of it's playing tricks towards the end, that you can bowl the same ball six meters back of a length, and it, some of them will kick up really high, some of them will skid through. It's like the variation in the bounce is what's interesting. Whereas mm. these absolute fucking roads in England, <laughs> where there's nothing that they are playing on astroturf, and you just pitch the ball, and it's not doing anything different. Ever. It's just well, the weird thing was, mate, that uh, for some reason, halfway down the deck, the pitch got two-paced. Mm. And some of them were n- bouncing and jumping up, and some of them were going low. And it and it didn't seem to be that effective on a length or full. It was literally 
halfway down the deck. I don't know. Maybe there was a, de- a dead er patch than the other patches or something. But like that hitting that patch, hitting that area became the entire game from a bowling perspective. For three for days. Sides. For three days. Three days. It worked against England's tail. That was good. Yeah. It made our second innings so dull. But so it dull. got the wickets. That's what England will say. I remember uh, Marcus Tref- Treskothic, who is the former opening batsman, very aggressive batsman, uh, was doing the press conference at the end of day four. And he was sounding like England had invented short pitch bowling. Because <laughs> they were asking about the success of the tactics and Australia was all out by that stage. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, it, you know, maybe this kind of approach will change the way the game is played. Like, Harold Larwood never existed. Yeah. That Clive Lloyd sitting there in the audience being like, yeah, um, as a matter of fact... Yeah. I, the whispering death is, is just off <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, Malcolm side Marshall. Mm. Yeah. Courtney Ambrose might have a thing, couple of things to say yeah. about it. I reckon he might Lillian know. Thompson might, uh, might have a few words. <laughs> might, have, might have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mitchell, Mitchell Johnson it. might have something to say. In fact, it turns out that blokes, and I would go as far as to say women cricketers as well, I would say cricket is almost as a as an overarching rule. Don't like ninety kilo, ninety mile an hour deliveries at their noses. Mm. Turns out it's not fun. No, the Australian team wouldn't know what ninety mile an hour feels like, but oh, seventy five they're point. very accustomed to. <laughs> and that's another frustrating thing, right? Okay, so look, you're gonna bowl short, right? You're Ollie Robinson. You're bowling seventy five miles an hour. You're bowling one two five. I do not have the ability to understand why that is hard, why it looks so hard for our guys facing Ollie Robinson, and then Ben Stokes comes in the next day and makes Hazelwood, Stark, and Cummins look like they're trash. Makes Cameron Green's 95 miles an hour look like it's, you know, throwdowns from his kids. Like, it was, (laughs) like, what, what, how? I think the one with Cameron Green is because Cameron Green is... is, His wicket is the one that drove me up the wall the most. It's because he looked unfazed by anything that was being thrown at him. He is a very tall guy. He's crouching down. They bounce the ball. He ducks under it. Kind of looks at the pitch. A little disinterested with the entire day. Mm. Robinson comes in to bounce him. His eyes light up and he flays a hoik to square. And it's just so infuriating. I mean, it's playing the, on the batter's ego a lot, mm, I'm sure. Yeah. And the frustration and the, you know, Australian might have had a total in mind, like 400 but, uh, that we get before we let the Poms come back into bat. We ended up having a lead of about 350. Yeah. Because there's just these dumb, dumb strokes to this leg theory slash body line fields where everyone knows what they're doing. We've been doing it for days. But they still got suckered in and they got out. And the, the, Usman Khawaja's dismissal is a prime example of that too, mate. Like, they just... We, he just wasn't able to get it away for ages and, and went after a shot out of the blue, seemingly mm. from nowhere. You know, um, Cameron Green in that second innings made 18 off 67 deliveries. Alex Carey did 21 off buddy 73. They just stood there and, you know, 116 and 103 minutes of standing there, being bounced, and occasionally knocking one around the corner. Um, and, uh, I, I'm sure you and me, like so many other armchair experts out there, were probably thinking, I was thinking, Spinks, like, why aren't we dropping and running here? You know, mm. like, if there's no men around you, like, just drop and run. Like, force them to change the field and bring men in to deal with that and open yourself up some gaps. Like Or I the think- overheaded SWAT that Steve Smith like, has brought out again. <laughs> Just the get the ball into the dirt, and if there's no field in there, run. Yeah, I loved him practicing that shot too when he's flat on his when he back fell after over. missing it after falling <laughs> over. It's just like Steve, you are such a weirdo. I really like you, but, but you're I like a seeing weird guy. Steve Smith back because, like, towards the end of his captaincy, we all know how turbulent that was. Like he he was a shell of a human being. He could only focus on saving the game for his team because his team was bad at playing cricket. So he was the only one scoring runs. And uh, when he came back, it's the redemption story and everything attached to that. But he's just been playing very normal person cricket. And I don't like that. 
I like weird Steve Smith, who brings out the baseball slog and the tennis swat, and he falls over and he's laughing at everything. And, and his and someone tries to through his legs. You know. Oh, or he'd do the intentional slap between his, his legs, legs, where it wasn't a French cut. He'd actually hit with the open face of the bat between his legs to square or behind square. Yeah. Like, I want. I like that Steve Smith, and we got to see a a little bit, a smidge, a, a touch, a smudge. Um, and you have to say, Spinks, that by and large, England's short ball tactics worked, right? Like they did eventually. It was boring to watch, but oh, we forgot to mention it. We've got to mention it now. Nathan Lyon in the field in England's first innings innocuously was chasing a ball, and went to run it down, and has ripped his calf in twain. Mm. He has got a severe calf injury. He's going to be out for the next six weeks. He was on crutches within a matter of hours. Um, And knowing how significant the game was, knowing how significant that every single run was going to be, he came out hobbling with an obvious injury. And for the the last wicket, put on an extra 15 runs um, with Mitchell Stark. And... Like, he hit 1-4 off the wrong foot with a pull shot, which was great. Um, he's, well, his whole thing, because it was his right calf, wasn't it? So to mm. to deal with any short pitch bowling, you need to be on your back leg. And he was kind of pivoting on his front leg ballet pirouette style to try and get these balls away. It was his decision, is the other thing that Paddy Cummins said, is uh, when Paddy got out, Nathan Lyon walked down to the long room so he had less distance to travel when Hazelwood got out. And he could actually get to the pitch in time and time. not be timed out. Uh, yeah. Paddy didn't want him to go. McDonald apparently didn't w- particularly want him to go. Whereas Nathan Lyon said, no, this is, this is my last moment in this game. Let's see what runs we can get. He's an absolute legend. He's an absolute legend, mate. And God, we missed him in that second of the ball. On his 100th test in a row as well. Jeez. I like, mean, what, a, <laughs> what a horrible way for your celebration to end. Like, and it was so innocuous, mate. Like, he was literally just running in after a ball. He was just, like, strolling in, and his calf just went. Oh, um, my hamstrings do that on a daily basis, so well, I definitely yeah. understand the feeling. Yeah. Um, Broad got four for 65 in that. The wickets, the rest of them shared. Um, most of the bowlers going around two, two and a half and over. Jimmy Anderson up around three, three and a half. I mean, it was funny that whenever Anderson was bowling and pitched it up, blokes just absolutely went after him. Um, and cranked him around. Um, you know, there were some really beautiful shots there, but predominantly it was on the back foot and fending. Which brings us to the middle of day four, sort of, yeah, middle of day four, Australia's all out. we gotta, we got to bowl at the palms, right? England are chasing 371 to win it. Um, and I was feeling in my heart, Spinks, Three seven one. It's going to have to be a hell of a chase. Yeah, they did it recently against New Zealand. That's their mm. record. But before that, they have not chased. No team chases three seventy well in the but fourth you, innings. You know, what was lurking in my brain, Spinksy, and I'm sure it was lurking in yours. Was Headingley? Headingley? Never heard Headingley. of it. Uh, yeah, you might remember it as that bad, bad time. I tell you what, mate. I mean, we've got to get... We'll wait till we get there, Pats. This is why I said we should stay in order. This is why we said I should stay in order, because otherwise I'm going to get carried away. I was a little bit nervous, but I thought it was probably going to be all right. We got a couple of quick wickets. Um, Crawley went for three. Uh, Mitchell Stark bowling Ollie Pope. With, oh, I think it was Andrew McGlashan who described Mitchell Stark. He said he's probably not the world's best bowler, but he's almost certainly the bowler that bowls the best balls. Oh, that in-swinger to take out the middle of middle stump. It was the one-two punch as well. The previous ball, shiny side the other way around, angling into off stump, shaping away, just misses the outside edge. Flip the ball over, exact same delivery, swings through the gate and takes out the peg. Oh, Mm, beautiful. Sensational. Only to be raised by Paddy Cummins, who bowled Ollie, I'm sorry, Harry Brook with an absolute corker absolute corker Sphinx Arena my god um, shut the front door it was an absolutely delicious delivery cut back off a lank hit the top of off see you later champignon using the slope at lords yeah Take see ya peg. Um, 
And then we started with controversy. And then con now from here on out, we're in controversy land. Controversy numero uno, Ben Duckett, who went on to make 83. He bloody gets a short ball. He pumps it around a square leg, fine leg, somewhere around there. Mitchell Stark is running, 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 slides, gets his hands, catches it. And then as he's catching, he's got a quarter in one mitt. He puts the ball, the ball goes to the ground as he sort of slides forward and he has the ball makes contact with the ground in his hand before he sort of like stops and pumps his hands like he's, he's just like, you know, won the day. Won the test match. And he's initially, um, Duckett's given out, he starts to walk off and it's overturned by the third umpire. El Spinkso, what did they, what did you make of that? See, I was fine with it. That's the thing, is with all, all the outrage that this test has created on both sides, I was fine with that being not out because he put it directly on the ground. Like, it's... The he's still holding on to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, but he's using it to balance himself or to slow down his momentum or to slide it all on the ground. He has caught the ball while sliding and then di drives that ball into the turf to stop his momentum. Like, that is... That's the ball's touch the grass. Is, isn't that what we always carry on about? Is it's touch the grass? There's a blade of grass yes. on that ball? But, I mean, if we go back to the World Test Championship final, when our mate Cam Green's diving for that ball, and he gets his fingers underneath it, but the ball's also in contact with the ground. I mean, how is that different? Because he didn't push it into the ground. Like, <laughs> Cam Green's got his fingers under the ball, so that is, that is a catching motion. In the catching motion, the ball has, like, kind of burst into a blade of grass. Mitchell Stark has the ball and while still moving, puts it on the ground. <laughs> Whoever is taught to catch a ball and put it directly on the ground? No one. Like that is yeah, such a brain it. fade. I don't oh. understand it. I mean, I was I was in a state of outrage. <laughs> <laughs> I sensed you had a different opinion. I, uh, I was in a state of outrage. But um, I, you know... The rules on that have changed recently, and it's not only that, you must have control of the ball, you must have control of your body. Yes. And when that was explained to me, I was like, all right, well, I guess he didn't technically have control. He was so close to the boundary rope. He was sliding, he was trying to yeah, stay Yeah, it's that the boundary T20 rope. boundary rider catch <laughs> thing that they're trying to legislate specifically, is that you can have the ball, but if you're tipping over the boundary rope, that's not a catch until you have arrested your physical momentum within yeah. the boundary. So you can't just take a catch and trip over the, the sideline. So I get it. And he was sliding towards the boundary rope. And then he put the ball on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so that happened. It was controversial, but we kind of got over it, I think, because we're all like, all right. I, my notion as a one-eyed Australian supporter was initial complete outrage followed by grumbling acceptance. Um, yeah, they lost three quick wickets. It was the end of the day. Like, yeah, like they could have right, gone right, to right, right. Uh, gone to the end of the day five down, with two hundred and what ten runs between them. Yeah, yeah, and they are like, well, I mean, we'll take that. You know, what would they all like? Yeah, five, four, or five down, something like that. Um, Harry Brook went, yeah, they were four for 45. We'd love to see that up to 12.5 overs. And they get to the end of the day and they're, and they're all right. And then the next day, the next day initially looked pretty bad. We went back to this short pitch bowling. We've got Benjamin J. Stokes at the crease and Tim and Ben Duckett. And for the first like hour and a half, they bat really nicely. We bowl balls at their faces. They knock them around and they get the occasional fall. They pierce the field. Both of them are doing a pretty good job of piercing the field. And the runs required are just slowly going down. More than slowly. Pretty good rate, really. About four and over. Huh? Yeah, they're, they're both striking at 70, 75 for their entire innings. Like That is a run rate that we can't deal with. Yes, all we need is one wicket to break up the partnership, but we weren't getting that either. No, and, and the fields started to get more and more and more defensive. We started to get more and more addicted to this um, to this notion, right? To this idea, to this concept. And eventually Ben Duckett goes. He gets a smart piece of keeping from Alex Carey, who just stays leg side. Hazelwood gets a really good, well-directed short one right in at his face. He gloves it, gets a bit of bat on it, through to the keeper, you're out, see you later. Bringing Johnny Bairstow to the crease. 
And Spinks, do you want to talk through what happened with Johnny? Or would you like me to? I would like to break this down myself. If I, you don't I thought mind. you might. Please. So, we have one of the best keepers in world cricket behind the stumps. We have one of the most other keepers in world cricket. <laughs> in front of the stumps with a bat in his hand. He had been there for, you know, three overs by the start of that over. He'd faced about 18 balls. And little Alex Carey has noticed that we're doing the short pitch bowling. The ball goes over the head. As soon as it goes over his head, Johnny Bairstow starts looking at the pitch, kind of fumbles around, takes a little walk, kind of, I don't know, looks at the birds or whatever's flying by. He notices he's out of, he's out of his crease. And Alex Carey remembered back to day three of the test match at Lord's when mm. a ball went past Marnus Labashain. Bairstow gloved it and immediately had a little shy at the stumps. Just mm. ma- maybe see if he could catch Marnus out of his crease. Marnus kept his foot in and Bairstow can't throw. So he missed. And importantly, you'd have to be a real numpty, wouldn't you? Like it's, a, it's sort of a thing you learn in, say, under 12s, under 14s cricket, that you've got to keep a foot in your crease um, until the ball's well and truly dead. Yeah, at all times. And as mm. a wicket keeper, or a quote-unquote wicket keeper... <laughs> You should know that the keeper behind you is probably watching everything that you do. Oh, maybe only the good ones do. Maybe Johnny wasn't thinking this. He wasn't thinking this because it doesn't enter his brain. But he'd done it just days before. He'd he noticed had. the same thing. He'd been yes. in that spot. But now, because it was the end of the over, uh, Johnny decided that the over was done. As soon as the ball went over his shoulder, he decided that the over was done. So I'm going to have a little wander outside of my crease. Alex Carey, before Bairstow had even walked, or looked like he was walking, had thrown an underarm ball towards the stumps on its way to the stumps. Johnny Bairstow has wandered out of his crease, and he got out. (laughs) And everyone lived happily ever after. Uh, No one has a problem with that at all, especially not some people in the long room, the... At the members of Lords, everyone or went good cricket. Everybody else at Lords who proceeded to go absolutely ape shit. They lost their gourds. Everybody popped a fuse. The atmosphere turned from Lords into Edgebaston. It, it, it was turned into quite like fun. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the crowd <laughs> going nuts. Like we love a villain, don't we? Now England we has said theirs. this last week. England has theirs. It's Alex Carey. Which is great. And they were going ballistic at them, which is amazing. Andrew Strauss came out. And this is the, the most upper-class cricket nonsense I have ever heard from Strauss. As he said, maybe the atmosphere turned so suddenly because on the fifth day, Lords is a little less exclusive about who they allow to come into the cricket. Wow. Wow. They left the ruffians in, huh? Yeah. They let all the riffraff into, <laughs> into Lords on day five. And all of a sudden, they started booing and hurling abuse once again at Usman Khawaja. Khawaja. Now, Spinks, is there anything different about Usman than the other Australian players, I wonder? I don't know. Mm. There was a recent report released yeah, in how that. English cricket has dealt with notions oh. of, mm. I don't know, inclusivity and, yes. and maybe race. And, uh, and it the, wasn't and, good. Mm, it wasn't, wasn't good. a good report. No, but they brought it out during the ashes, so everybody forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, moved yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, and U- Usman is—he's um, probably the quietest of it, all the Australians. That's probably, probably is. makes him stand out. And look, we should say there are no allegations, even though we're sledging them currently. There's no allegations that what was said to Usman at the time was racist. It probably was nothing at all. I doubt but it was. It, you know, it is, I mean, interesting to note that the uh, brown person in the team keeps being noticed uh, and keeps being pointed to when he's the, one of the, as you said before, Spinksy, of the 11 blokes in the team, the nine of them deserve abuse. Seven of them actually really do. And not any one of those people is Usman Kawaja. It's not Usman Kawaja and it's not Scott Boland. And Scotty Boland wasn't in this test, so Dude. they couldn't yell at him. So it all yeah. just went back to Usman. Yeah, just honestly. Leave please, him alone. If, yeah. If you've got to you know, yell at somebody and have a crack, David Warner's right there. Yeah, you know? well, he was there too. They did yell at yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. did yell at him, but I they mean, yelled I'm, at Usman first, and I don't like it. Neither. So, look, Johnny Bairstow gets out stumped. Mm-hmm. Um, 
relatively hilariously um, from an very, Australian perspective. Very yeah. hilariously. I'll tell you what wasn't hilarious, though, is that it angered the dragon. It, it awoke the beast. Because Ben Stokes then realised that he had, what, sort of 200-odd runs to chase, or, a, yeah, something in that vicinity. A mountain to climb by himself. He had a mountain to climb by himself, and an injustice in his eyes had been committed, and uh, he'd been hit on the body a couple of times, and Stuart Broad was coming out to bat. And so he said, right, heading lean 2019, here we go. You ain't and seen he, nothing yet. He took to Cameron Green like, I was going to say a duck to water, but that doesn't really sum it up. He, he took it to Cameron Green like a cheese grater to a to an old carrot. He like absolutely shredded that bloke. He was on, Stokes was on 62 when Berso got out. And then he hit his 100... He hit 34 runs in three overs, or four overs. He hit like 23 runs off a single over, and then the next over hit three consecutive sixes to go from the mid-80s to 100. (laughs) It was fearsome. It was crazy. And Spinks, I don't want to make uh, light of mental health issues. I know uh, many of our people on the pod has probably suffered them, but I started to get the, the smallest symptoms of, of trauma triggered, of PTSD there, watching Ben Stokes hit out. I was like, oh no. Proper it's, flashbacks. Was, it was happening again, you know? It's going to happen We couldn't do anything again. about it. Because well, what did we do? We put every single person who did not have a ball or a pair of gloves on their hands on the rope. The fence. And, and then we ben bowled at his said, body. I'm going to hit it over them. And not only did he hit it over them, he hit into the bloody second tier. He, he could have hit into the next week. Like, oh, stinky. It was infuriating to watch because somehow our bowlers lost the short ball superiority battle with yeah. the Poms. We lost. And we, we lost. stuck with it. We stuck with it and we stuck with it. And then 160 runs later, it worked. I mean, Steve Smith dropped a catch there, running in from the boundary. Um, There was a couple of other, like, there was a gloved chance past Carey. But, I mean, mate, the wheels for the Australian cricket team completely fell off there just before lunch. When Ben Stokes was hitting out, like, Mm. it was looking real bad. Mitchell Stark didn't bowl for, like, two hours either side of lunch. Why? Hazelwood and Green were both getting smacked. Cummins was the only one that Stokes seemed to respect the bowling and try and defend or duck, get a single on the fifth or sixth ball to maintain the strike. And then on using the downward slope at Lord's, hoik it over mid-wicket. And I just can't believe how long it took us to go, hey... Maybe we should stop bowling back at a length at Stokes's body. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it did seems we to stop, me though that he's we, hit did... eight sixes on the leg side. Maybe we should try and avoid bowling there. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe we should shut up shop on bowling on on into his ribs because I think he's pretty comfortable there as another ball sails into the second tier. Like, oh man! And then they stuck it wide for a bit, you know, fifth, sixth stump line, and so he cross batted that straight, like past Pat Cummins. Yeah, it went down the field for a couple of fours. Like, I hate that guy so much. I mean, he's he so was, good. He's so good, Spinksy. And it was one of the most incredible innings. Like, if I hadn't seen it four years ago, I would have been utterly blown away. I was more... I want the listener to think of a ginger man in his mid-30s curled up under a rug with my knees up to my chest like I'm freaking four, going, please, no. Like, make it stop. Like, please. Yeah, while please a ginger man in his early 30s smashes balls around lords <laughs> for fun. I can tell you who was having the better time, Spinks, and it wasn't me. I've got two intact knees, and I was not having a good time. Oh, my God. Uh, look, finally, um, thank thank fuck, thank Christ, finally, um, Hazelwood put one outside the off stump uh, on, on a length. Stokes tried to smash it over mid-wicket, and it went straight in the air, and Alex Carey got gloves to it and caught him. He motored along the pitch. The, 
such was the monotony of ball, ball to Stokes, he smacks it over mid-wicket or square at leg. That ball that he top-edged to kind of a standard point fielder or, or backward point that Kerry caught, as soon as he swung for the ball, all the cameras, Sky Sports, Channel 9, everyone that was filming that, followed to the <laughs> leg side, the <laughs> trying to find the ball, and then you just see little Kerry off in the distance to the right of screen, catch the ball, and then everyone cuts to him catching it. Because everyone just went, oh, he's swung, it's going over it's there, going. I'll just follow the... Oh, no. Wait. Where is the ball? I also want to give Josh Hazelwood big credit here because he pulled out Freddie Flintoff's celebration from the 2005 Ashes, um, which I I caught. I thought was a faith very apt, and um, I loved to see that. So nice it was one, a, Josh. A, yeah, a good little bit of shit stirring. Not not Stuart Broad level shit stirring, no, which really I do have to mention was very funny. <laughs> it was really good from Stuart who after every delivery you know, Stokes was doing an amazing job of farming the strike and Broad was only facing sort of two balls and over, but for those two balls, after every one, he was like tapping his bat back into the, the in and just checking <laughs> that the ball was dead like four or five times with everybody. He I, looked this is what so I mad. Raise for the, the whole rest of this series, Spinks, you watch Johnny Bairstow is going to have so many shies at the stumps. Mm-hmm. So many shies at the stumps. That's going to be fine because he'll miss. Like, that's fine. He can do whatever <laughs> he wants. He's going to give overthrows more likely than he is going to take a wicket doing that. And I, for one, am here for it. But he, and Broad, when Broad. he came out, said to Alex Carey, that is the worst thing that I've ever seen in cricket. And he apparently can't remember watching his team play cricket in Australia over the last decade because they haven't won a test in on these shores since 2011. That and is the I, worst thing I've seen in cricket, Stuart. The worst thing I've seen in cricket was in 2013 when Stuart Broad absolutely crubbed one to first slip and then decided to stay at the deck um, after Alim Dar had a quick mental break and descended to another plane of reality. Um, I think... Stuart Broad, talking to anybody about the spirit of cricket, um, is just a real pot kettle black situation. Like, all the spirit of cricket, there's that There's that oh. phrase. Do you think so Paul, he's going to talk about that at all? I think we should probably get Tom on. We've been talking for a really long time. I, I, I would just wrap up to say that after Stokes went, um, Broad went pretty soon after. Ollie Robinson went for one. Josh Tongue put in a really solid effort. Mm-hmm. We kept bowling at his face. We should have bowled more at his pegs. Starkey got him for 19. We ended up winning by 43 runs. And you know the great cricketer, those guys say that cricket isn't fun, it's relief. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and that was a sensation here. I did not feel like joy and elation. I felt flat out pure relief that Once we won this one. Stokes carted green for three sixes in a row. They still had about 120 odd runs to get. And it was still the squeakiest of squeaky bum times. Mate, it couldn't have been any squeakier. Um, should we play? Go to Tom. Was there anything Please else you do. wanted to? Yeah, I feel like I feel like we we should bring him in, ladies and gentlemen. After all of that chat from me and Spinks, here is Tom K. Hawkey with a with a bulletin from a Brit. Me here at last on the ground, you in midair. It's very good. Send in the clown. Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. There's a philosophical idea suggesting that we exist within a multiverse, with countless parallel universes beyond our own. These parallel universes encompass every conceivable version of reality. For example, there's one where Steve Smith scores tidy 20s but constantly gives his wicket away cheaply. There's another where Ben Duckett and Cameron Green are both normal-sized humans. There's even a universe where cricket was never invented. Those poor, poor bastards. Despite the infinite versions of this second test playing out across the multiverse, there isn't a single instance where England would have won this game. Mm. The bewildering approach on day two seems to be a universal constant, similar to the speed of light. How else can we explain the sudden change in approach when England reached 182 for one and Lyon left the field injured? True. Australia resorted to the short ball strategy, which proved effective throughout the rest of the match. However, England's shot selection was simply insane, and they lost the game by the end of their first innings. 
witnessing Root aggressively take on the short ball, only to nick behind for one, getting a reprieve due to a no ball, and then being out again on ten, was utterly baffling. This is a man with over 10,000 test runs to his name, ranking 10th on the all-time list and destined to climb even higher. Smith's catch off Root was the first of three contentious decisions in the match. For what it's worth, here are my takes. Smith catch, out, fingers under the ball. Start catch, not out, grass under the ball. Bearstow stumping, out, but it's hardly the most satisfying way to win a game now, is it? The be- Sorry, Tom, I just got to jump in there. You're, you're right. Like, uh, would I have loved to have cleaned both Johnny Bairstow and Sandy's middle peg um, halfway back to, to Leeds? I, I would have loved to have done that. I would have, t- I would have loved to have done that. But we also haven't won a test series in England since 2001. Um, so I'm going to take what I can get, El Spinkso. That's, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Hey, it, Pat. It, it wasn't grubby. It wasn't no. that kind of attitude. It was a shy at the stumps. My father-in-law texted me as soon as Bairstow got out, what an anti-climax. He then luckily stuck around to watch the fireworks, which happened afterwards. But it did feel anticlimactic. But I, I'll take I, the win. If Hawkey's happy to lose 5-0 if every test is like the first one, I'm happy to win 5-0 if every <laughs> test is like this one. Bairstow incident ignited a fire within Stokes who picked up the phone and informed Australia of his very special set of skills. He unleashed his fury with the bat and powered his way to a century. He forged a 50 partnership with Broad in just 4.4 overs and went on to smash 6 after 6 on his way to 155 runs. It ranks among the greatest 4th innings performances of all time, almost rivalling his legendary Headingley heroics in 2019. Although England's tail-enders batted bravely, the task before them was just too big. But, take out Stokes and Duckett, and this was a dismal batting performance across the two innings. Mm. The Bairstow stumping caused controversy, but it wasn't the deciding factor. I mean, without it, Stokes wouldn't have been so fired up, and I think England would have succumbed to the short ball maybe even faster, resulting in a wider margin of defeat. So, ahead of Headingley, what are the positives for England? Hmm. Ben Duckett, the man who never leaves the ball, put on nearly 200 runs without scoring a century. His decision to go for such a big shot on 98 was utterly foolish, the golden lettering so nearly on that honours board. Nevertheless, he demonstrated the ability to take on the Aussie bowlers, and he looks set to do well in the rest of the series. Josh Tung has taken 10 wickets at an average of 25 in his first two tests. He dismissed Warner and Smith twice each, along with Kawaja once with an absolute Jaffa. Yeah. And Ben Stokes, an absolute force of nature who turns the impossible into the possible. Sometimes. Only once has a team managed to come back from 2-0 deficit to win in the Ashes, and that team had Don Bradman. Mind you, this England team has Ben Stokes. On the other hand, no Ashes side has ever won 5-0 overseas. I think that one team is going to win the next three tests. I just don't know which. 3-2 England or 5-0 Australia. Let's see. Seeing me so tense. No self-confidence. But you see, the winner takes it all. What a pop. What an absolute pop. Thank you, Tom K. Hawkey, you absolute superstar. Um, a, a sensational bulletin. And again, some pretty good takes there, Spinks, as we're going to expect from the man. Um, he's such a good correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey. We're bloody lucky to have him in our lives. Yeah, and it's very un-English of him to look for the positives, but I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? He is half Welsh, Tom, so maybe that's his Welsh levity coming through. <laughs> Positively <that>. sunny people. <laughs> Positively sunny disposition of the Welsh. Um yeah, look, mate, an incredible game, an extraordinary game. And and afterwards, um, Ben Stokes did make some comments about Australia not playing within the spirit. He didn't think that, that the, the uh, best I dismissal within, was within the spirit of cricket, quote-unquote. And How I thought you might have some thoughts on that. Oh, I have a couple. And they're probably not good ones, but I've got them. Is I'm really glad that there are two Kiwis running the English cricket team at the moment in Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum because they are the most genteel of the cricketing nations. Oh, indeed. 
I saw the shrine that was built to the spirit of cricket at Lancaster Park in Christchurch, which is where uh, uh, Brendan McCullum ran murally out after him yes. and Kumar Sengakara took a quick single for Sengakara's century. And whilst going to congratulate his batting partner, Brendan McCullum threw down the stumps. <laughs> ah, yes, I remember that shrine. Mm, yes. yeah, it, it must be said, though, that McCullum, 10 years after that, apologised to Sangakara and to Murali for doing that, and that's where he realised he needed to change, mm. and he's grown as a person. Real redemption arc. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. You won. So, <laughs> that's what you were doing. You were trying to win the game. And this wasn't even anything remotely similar to that. This wasn't yeah. a, a batter leaving his crease to congratulate his no. captain, I think. Oh, no, Jay Wardner was captain at the time, but he left his crease to congratulate his batting partner well, he just on went 100. Down. He went to go, um, Bairstow went to stroll down because he thought it was the end of the over. Mm. But even when it's end of the over, Spinks, you tap your bat behind the crease. I do that in eighth grade park cricket. I bat 11. You know? <laughs> if, if, if I'm batting 11 in eighth grade park cricket and I know that at the end of the over, you tap your bat behind there and you make sure the ball's dead. Johnny Bairstow, a professional athlete who keeps wicket, who literally tried to do that mere days before, should only have one complaint. And his one complaint, and the complaint on the English cricket side, should be with Johnny. And his complaint should be with himself. Yeah, he's probably just it. mostly more annoyed that Australia has a keeper that can hit the stumps. From 20 yards. Underarm. Pretty good. Yep, McCullum came out after the game and said, I don't think we'll be having a beer with the Australian cricket team anytime soon. Which is just the sourest of grapes. I mean, from Spinks. Self-appointed guru those. of spirit of cricket himself, Brendan McCullum, is kicking stones because, no, they didn't do it the way I liked them to do it. <laughs> Look, we're going we're gonna to win within the bounds of the rules and we will use every goddamn rule to ourselves. You know, if there's a if there's a rule we can use, we'll use it. And if we have to be held to account like the start catch, then then that's the way it, it goes, mate. I mean, I am pleased it wasn't a man cad. Man cad fan Chris Barty's not on the pod today. Um, but you know, oh, but Ravi Ashwin was- spoke up, didn't he? Oh, he he, he brought man cad. <laughs> he was in, into the tweets immediately, saying the only person who should be upset is Johnny Bairstow with himself. And I'm agreeing with Ravi. And that's not often I come to that point of view, Sphinx. That's not often I come to that point of view. Oh, I like um, Ravi. Mate, was there any other... Uh, I know you had some notes, and I'm, I wonder if we hit all of them. Did we hit all of your notes? Was there anything else you wanted to mention? There was just a lot of general it? outrage. A few a few, <laughs> a few, jokes. I think I think my favourite one was that Besto attempted to do the same thing to Manus on day three, possibly where Carey got the idea from, but it didn't work because Besto was the worst wicketkeeper I've seen since I last pulled the gloves on to substitute in a first grade match, and I played fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only thing I didn't get, I didn't touch. <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff, Spiggy. That's good stuff. So look, two matches down. We got another one starting on Thursday. Thursday. Um, we're the two s- nil up. The spiciest. And it's Henningly as well, which it's is Henningly. It's 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 a bit of poetry coming in to this one. Is with the fuse has been lit. All of England is just very angry. I think they've had too much sun maybe six days worth and oh, yeah. we're going to Headingley where Stokes's heroics ruined us last time and his heroics almost ruined us this time and they haven't changed their bowling lineup I can't believe they haven't changed their how is Jimmy Anderson at 41 going to pull up after this Surely he bowled Mark, so many Mark overs Wood's fit like Mark Wood has to be fit enough Surely. to do better than Jimmy Anderson's done the last two tests I mean, Jimmy's bowled like 40 overs and then is expected to back up within a couple of days and, and go again. I don't know, mate. I mean, if it's a green seamer, what are they going to do with the pitch? Oh, I'm so excited to see that. Who who bloody knows? I mean, you'd expect Wood to come in. Do you see any... I mean, who, we could hypothesize about the English all day. Um, it sounds like they're going to go with the exact same side. Do you see any changes for us? Does Scotty Boland come in for Hazelwood? Does yeah, that's like the that only... That's the only substitute I could think of. And like Hazelwood did well. He was getting... Carded. Todd Murphy's got to come in. Oh, he has to come in. Um, I, I doubt they'll go with four seamers. Yeah. I really, I don't really doubt it. Happening. But, because, like, Head's fine, but Joe, Joe Root's a much better bowler, and I still don't think England should have gone with four seamers. 
But Hazelwood is one that, for me, he's the Australian bowler before Boland came onto the scene a couple of years ago that you always thought would do the best in English conditions. Mm. Of our frontline bowlers, he would always do the best. And he just hasn't. Mm. Over the last two tours, at the very least, that one in 2019. And Mitchell Stark, this is his first test match against England in England for like six Ashes tests. I think he yeah. played the first one in the 2019 test and was dropped for James Pattinson of all people. Yeah, I believe that's correct, yeah. And Peter Siddle was getting a run there. Yeah. And Stark has shown he can get you the ball that bowls the difficult batsman. He bowls beautiful balls. He oh, bowls some mate. shocking ones. Absolutely. A couple of proper test match wides. Wide in the kit. <laughs> oh, I nearly forgot my outrage please during Australia's second innings of batting did the umpires forget that more than two Mate. balls over the shoulder Mate. is a wide every day of the week and then all of what? a sudden they remembered anything yes! that goes past the brow of an English batsman is just a flat out wide let alone the two above the shoulder rule Mate. what happened there Ollie Robinson in that innings was bowling some like they were about a foot and a half above bloke's shoulders. Cameron he was Green bowling four or five of them and over. Headbutted one of those balls. It was nonsense. It was abs. It was a rort, Spinksy. And then last day when we're going short at him, it's like wide, wide, wide arena. It drove we, me up the wall. We bowled ten wides. Two of those was Mitchell Stark spraying it well wide. So we were called on eight wides for those uh, high bumpers. Not even yeah, ours were bumpers. Ours were across the face. But I think maybe because in England's first inning, uh, Australia's second innings, Extras mm. was our uh, second best batsman. Oh. Because Usman Khawaja got 77. Steve Smith was next top scorer with 34. And there were 36 extras. So wow. maybe, maybe it was a sympathy ploy play from the so. umpires. Don't let it happen again. Yeah. I mean, I can't see it stopping, mate. I, I honestly think that this body line tactic is going to be these next three tests yeah like and who are going to suffer are these uh, English bowlers you saw James Anderson get hit twice flat on the grill flat on the top of the head he looked sh- shook up Stuart Broad once in his first innings got hit under the grill on his chin and then yeah. he popped another one in his innings because the, Austra- the English bowlers hitting a ball into an Australian player's head is not going to do anywhere near as much damage as the balls that Mitchell Stark's bowling, that Hazelwood's bowling, that Cummins is bowling. Yeah, that's and true. It, I, I don't want the rest of the series to just to become a bouncer fest, but if it is, so be but it. you got to say, though, mate, that the English batters, with except in the second innings, Stark, Stokes particularly showed the way. Mm. Stokes showed what you have to do against a short ball barrage. And that's play the pull, play the hook, and hit him out of the ground. But actually go for it. Like Cam Green's one, he halfway, he was halfway between trying to guide it to the ground and hit it over square leg. And he hit it to square leg. Yeah. You need to actually go for it. For it. And I think that has to be the template, especially for a bloke like Travis Head. Step inside the line and try and, and pump it into next week. Mm. Like maybe this is the point where Australia needs to learn from Basball. That if they start going short, once you've got your eye in, especially if it's Ollie Robinson bowling 125 clicks, pump him into next month. Pump Please him into... Th- thank you. You know, send him send him to church. Pump him into next week. That's my advice. And for the Aussies, don't get caught up in just digging it in short. Like, when Ben Stokes was going mental, I kept yelling at my screen from underneath my covers with my knees up to my chin to... <laughs> Just put a couple of balls at the top of off stump. Just a couple. Just a couple. Because he's not know? running. He's not running at the stump. He's not running. So, yeah, he, he drove a couple of really good boundaries. They don't go for six. And it was only a couple. Go for the and stumps. Why weren't they going for the stumps? Oh. oh, God. We were so... I feel that we were so lucky to win this game. We deserved to win it. We were so lucky to win it. 43 runs... Oh, my God. The squeakiest of squeaky bum time. I can't believe we only have, you know, what, three days, four days before the next test starts, Spinks Arena. Yeah, before the spirit of cricket himself, Ollie Robinson, <laughs> for another genteel attack of Usman Khawaja on day one. 
Bloody hell. Um, all right, mate. Um, let's let's call it there, eh? Um, thank you so much for being with me, Spinks. I, I really enjoyed chatting to you tonight. And um, we'll be back after the next test to wrap that up. And if things keep going the way they're going, I think we're going to be an emotional and spiritual wreck, Spinks, by the time that comes around. Oh, I'm absolutely spent. Like these, you know, 4 a.m. finishes are not doing me well. But, you know, I, I've got to commit. So commit I shall. You're the man, Spinks. Any final thoughts from you before we sign off? No, other than my typical, Go the Aussies! Go the Aussies! Go the Aussies! Go the Aussies! Two for None is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Pat Cullen and Alex Spinks, featuring the one and only Tom K. Hawkey. This episode was produced and edited by Ginger Snap Productions and featured music including Sending the Clowns from A Little Night Music by Frank Sinatra, Universal Music 1977, Winner Takes All, ABBA 1980, Human G, Dragon Slayer by Ross Bugden. He's a great composer, check him out on YouTube. All clips and music are used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Check out APRA.com.au for details. You can find us at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Get the word out. And we will see you after the next test match for another round of Incredible Ashes Cricket. In the meantime, go those Aussies! Go those Aussies!